Shannon Miller at Lizzled on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. Uh, we are t- here t- today. We're going to try to keep things short because one of the things we're going to talk about is a short film. Oh. Yeah, I did that. I did that just for you, Ben. What a transition. Also, the fact that we're going to try to keep things short. Um, but anyways, uh, we're looking at a couple of different quick. We're going to quickly look at a couple of different interesting marketing things we've seen evolve over the last uh, couple of couple of not couple of years, but a couple of months, couple of weeks, uh, perhaps even just within the last week in well, two different cases. We don't know if they're marketing things, Liz. They're definitely strategies. Mm, yes. But they are original artistic creations commissioned for an artistic purpose that are being distributed with designs to hold an audience, I yeah. think. We think. We think. It's, it's certainly one, there's certainly basically, I feel like the best way to contextualize this is the story of my friend Allison. Um, don't worry, it'll work. I don't, I don't doubt you. I just, we didn't talk have about I, this. Have, no, I didn't. I, I forgot to mention that. I don't um, care. But have I told you about my friend Allison? I don't think so. Okay. My friend Allison does this thing where she will only ever subscribe to one streaming service at a time. Oh, you did tell me about Allison. Yes. And but inform the listeners. Yes. Uh, yes, I figured I had. Um, but anyway, so Allison only subscribes to one streaming service at a time. And what she does is she watches everything on that streaming service until she basically feels like she's done. And however, whether it takes her like a couple months or that sort of thing. And once she's done, she unsubscribes and she goes on to the next streaming service. And so she just kind of, and then she like cycles back through. For example, she always, ha- she always makes sure to be subscribed to HBO now for Game of Thrones season. Um, and then, but then while she has Game of Thrones, while she's watching Game of Thrones, she's also catching up on all the HBO shows released within that year period of time where she, that she just hadn't seen. Other than her specific taste in programming, a la Game of Thrones, Allison is doing this correctly. <laughs> Everyone should be following this model when it comes, to, if, unless you just have the budget to have all of them all the time. Yes. Um, if you are only subscribing to one at a time or two at a time, you should absolutely be following this model in order to watch the best television possible and not settle for so much crap that gets put on every single one of these services. Yes, but that's not what the streaming services want. They just want you to keep giving them your six ninety nine or your twelve ninety nine or whatever you're paying them uh, unconsciously, even if you don't actually ever, ever use them. They, they just want you to keep, or they just want you to maintain the subscription. So they have, but one of the factors in making sure that you do so is making sure that there's new stuff for you to watch. So you would be like, you know, you can't unsubscribe from Hulu after The Handmaid's Tale ends because you'd miss casual. Um. <laughs> oh no, I, Ben, stop crying. Casual. I know, I just, just the first show I thought of that came on relatively close to the end of Handmaid's Tale. I think it was like well after Handmaid's was over. No, it was like early Castle July. Rock was pretty. Yeah, it was, yeah, okay, Castle Rock. Castle, Castle Rock will at least make you cry. or <laughs> Except for episode seven of Castle Rock, Ben. Yeah. yeah. That, did that episode make you sad, Ben? Yeah, it did. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, now that I've reduced Ben to tears, um, now he's drinking more Coke. Great. Uh, Friday afternoon, people. Always a good time. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Ben, speaking of Hulu, one of the examples that you came up with for strategies to keep people from doing from going, doing the Allison method and for keep just keeping their subscriptions all year long 
um, was a project you brought up because it's kind of, and it's, it has like a fascinating like structure behind it. Yeah. So um, Hulu on Friday uh, released the first in a, I'm pretty sure what they're referring to as an anthology series, the first episode <laughs> in an anthology series that's actually more of the first movie in a movie of the month club. Um, it's called The Body. Um, it's a standalone feature. I believe it's about an hour and 40 minutes. Um, mm. I'll double check that. But um, Produced by the fine folks at Bloomhouse. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's a movie. And there's, there's advertisements, billboards, trailers all around this one specific movie while still um, talking about the general series as a whole so people recognize the branding, Into the Dark. Um, but the, 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 the key takeaway from this is on the fun side, on the like inventive, oh, let's see what they do with this, this is really exciting kind of stuff, it's uh, every movie is based on a holiday within the month it's released. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this is the Halloween episode. Uh, there's a Christmas episode, Secretary's Day. Like, but like, so it's 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 not always just the main holidays. It's all it can be the little ones too. Um, they're inviting in you know independent film directors, kind of the general Blumhouse film production style of you know finding people with exciting voices who you know are going to make a horror movie on a on a budget. And they're going to make these horror movies um, for this series. So it's it's a movie, but it's also a TV series. But the key in terms of uh, Hulu's strategy is maintaining viewers from a month-to-month basis. So they know every month there's going to be a new one of these horror movies coming out. So every month they need to be subscribed to Hulu, and every month they get to watch this new entry. Right. And there may be some that they're more excited about than others. Um, so people can still drift off, but at the same time, you don't really know what's next. And they'll be able to highlight each as the other one, you know, comes out. Um, and because they'll be different, they'll be made by different people, they'll star different actors and actresses, um, you know, there'll be a lot of different reasons why this might catch somebody's attention as opposed to just one series, which has, you know, unless you're drastically shifted or, or crazily rebranded in a second season, it's always going to be that same series. Right. Well, I feel like, like uh what I think, but it's also with it under under the Bloomhouse brand, and I think that the people respond to that. People know what they're getting with that, and they also know that. Maybe, I think IndieWire people do. I don't know if the world knows. But like, if well, like just like in general, like like the casual viewer pops on their Hulu tonight, and they see that they, they and the Hulu algorithm knows they like horror movies, so the horror movie comes up, and they're like, "Oh, Into the Dark. This is going to be a, a regular thing. I will make sure I'll watch the November one, which is going to be Thanksgiving." Um, I mean, I, I, you you are correct to to not overestimate the general viewing population's awareness of production companies, um, but I think what you're talking about in a branding sense, like if Into the Dark does take off as a brand, people will respond to that and recognize it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like the 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 idea that they are promising a feature film every month is what the the basic allure is here. And what's interesting to me about this experiment, um, and I mean, I, I'm interested to watch the series in general, like just to see what the directors come up with and, and the different tones and, you know, kind of how the actors are, are uh, attached to it and et cetera. But um, from a Hulu standpoint, they have been kind of going, they originally started with releasing stuff weekly. So like even their originals were released weekly and every week got a new episode instead of the Netflix model where seasons were released all at once. Uh, this is monthly, so um, they're going to be releasing one every month. But 
of late, they've been trying out the all at once model. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one of their bigger productions, one of their bigger releases this fall, the first uh, starring Sean Penn, directed or uh, created by uh, Bo Willimon, um, which is fantastic. Please watch it. Uh, that was released all at once. That was that was a uh, eight episodes. You got it all at one scoop kind of thing. Their last season of Casual, they did the same thing. Um, so they've been experimenting with different methods of releasing stuff. And what's interesting to me about this one is that it's being unveiled during a time when they're getting a ton of good content anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you consider, like if you use Hulu to watch broadcast comedies or dramas or broadcast television in general, then they're getting a ton of content right now because that's when the new season has started. So right. there's a lot of reasons to stay subscribe to Hulu anyway, but they're trying to push an original concept right now while people are still sampling Hulu. Um, so they could, you know, catch up on Fresh Off the Boat. Then when they're done, they'll be like, well, I'm in the mood for something a little scary and this is there, so they'll watch it. And that's while a bunch of people are doing that. So it could increase the odds that this gets seen and then the brand gets, you know, kind of attachment as opposed to thinking, let's drop this when we don't have as much content. Uh, when they did that, they did, you know, Castle Rock, following up Handmaid's Tale, etc. But um, it's an interesting experiment. I'm fascinated to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's more like it. There's uh, there's some interesting ideas out there in terms of what or how uh, streaming services are maintaining their audience no matter what. And Liz, you watched one of them very recently. Yeah. Um, so uh, as, as any listener of this podcast knows, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I really enjoyed Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and, it, uh, you know, it had its ups and downs, but I enjoyed it. And uh, what it's been, a, it, as you listen to this, uh, Star Trek Discovery premiered, the first season premiered over a year ago. In normal TV land, that would meet, seem to indicate that a new season would have premiered recently. However, for various production reasons, cough, cough, you fired your showrunners, cough, cough, and whatever else is going on. And also TV shows just take longer these days, I guess. Um <clears throat> The show hasn't returned yet. It's going to it's set to premiere early 2019, whether that means January or whether that means February. It's not official yet, I don't believe. Um, however, you know, if if you subscribe to CBS All Access because you wanted Star Trek, you didn't want you're not you don't care about the Good Fight. You don't care about uh, you don't care about Strange Angel. Um, you probably are thinking to yourself, why do I still have CBS All Access? Liz, some of them care about the Good Fight. You do. You love both. I am. I am. I don't feel like the Venn diagram of people who are super obsessed with Kareem, uh, Christine Baranski's pantsuits and the people who are super obsessed with, uh, you know, tardigrades that are giant sized. I don't feel like that's a huge overlap. Maybe not, but there is some. There is some. Hopefully, I want to meet you people. We should hang out. Like, let's start let, a club. Let's start a club. It's the Christine Baranski uh, Giant Tardigrade Fan Club. I'm sure CBS would support this club. Oh yes, uh, yes, CBS. If you want to, if you want to create a meetup group and give us snacks, that'd be great. Snacks. <laughs> Who doesn't like snacks? Everybody loves snacks. Yeah, everyone. It's like it's like it's like a meal, but you know, not not like a huge commitment. <laughs> Put that in the dictionary for snack. <laughs> so, anyways, um, speaking of snacks, though, um, to tide us over between, oh, oh yeah, I did that. Um, 
basically uh, to tide us over uh, until like to kind of cover this like weird fallow period. You know, CBS All Access does have a new series premiering. It's currently uh, its current original, I believe, is a show called One Dollar, which is kind of a interesting crime. I don't. It's not a critically acclaimed crime thriller, but. Um, it's Sturgill Simpson's show. It's the show that Sturgill Simpson is on, and ergo, it must be good. Well, not that it must be good, but it is the only show out there that stars Sturgill Simpson, which by itself makes it must, must see, see TV. Yeah, okay. yeah. And arguably a strategy for CBS, knowing that they needed to fill said fallow period. Um, and then at the end of the month is going to come uh, Tell Me a Story from Kevin Williamson, who has his fan base, certainly, and that should be fun, interesting for fun, interesting for horror fans or people who like looking at James Wolk, um, which is, you know, for Zoo had an audience, um, not a huge audience, but an audience. Um, long live Zoo. Long live Zoo. Forever mate reign. Um, and anyways... Uh, <laughs> So, anyways, point is, uh, there, there's not. It's not like there's not original content on CBS, but it has been a long time since there's been new Star Trek on it. So, they've started this month releasing a month, another monthly release, by the way, um, a, a series of short films called Short Treks, which are individual short films, 15 minutes or so, uh, spotlighting one individual character every time. Um, three of them are characters we know and we know and enjoy. Uh, uh, you know, uh, cadet. The cadet Ensign Tilly, I think her rank is Ensign now, uh, stars in the first one, uh, Mary Wiseman. Uh, the second episode is going to star Aldous Hodge, who you may know from um, Underground and Leverage and other shows. Uh, Friday Night Lights, Liz. Barely. He was voodoo in like half of the first season. He was voodoo. He was good. No, he he's was great. Cause terrible. He, not, well, he's a bad person. Yeah. But he was a great actor. He was not a great actor. I love Aldous Hodge. That's your problem. I know. <laughs> it is. We are going to have some screaming fights over Aldous Hodge in the next couple of months, I'm pretty sure. We are not. <laughs> well, I'm going to scream, and you're going to take it. <laughs> I, I'm not. <laughs> um, we're just going to have the Aldous Hodge hour. I am not participating <laughs> in that ever. Oh, you didn't watch five episodes of Leverage, though. I don't, five, five seasons of Leverage. I don't need to. Nobody does. <laughs> Yeah, they do. It's great. No. Okay. I'm getting distracted. Point is, short treks. Aldous Hodge is in the second one. Um, <laughs> um, Doug Jones uh, who plays, uh, who plays yeah. Saru. Yeah, we love Doug Jones. Doug Jones is great. Yeah, he's going to be in the November one. Um, and then uh, the fourth one is going to star and be directed by Rain Wilson, who plays the con man Harry Mudd. Sure. Yeah. Question from the bleachers. Yes. Um, Elizabeth, uh, they're releasing... One 15-minute episode or chunks of 15-minute episodes every month? No, one 15-minute episode. Every month? Yes. This seems like a flawed strategy. You think so? I don't think that 15 minutes a month is enough to get people to keep paying $7 a month just because they need their Star Trek fix immediately. But they need it. They need it. They need it real bad. Mm, I know. You're, they need more. I'm not arguing. With, I'm not arguing the effectiveness of the strategy. I'm just we're we're just kind of pointing out that these are things that people are doing. In in you like. We're, oh, I will comment on the effectiveness of the strategy. <laughs> yes, you will. I you will too. I'm just reporting on it right now. Yeah, okay, well you'll I'm comment on it. I'm explaining it to the people. You'll comment on the next one. I will. That'll it'll, that'll be my turn. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean the thing is the thing I find interesting about it is. It's kind of an unconventional approach to narrative or to just like show world building. Like, you know, it's not like, you know, 
you know, sometimes, like, sometimes, like, you know, during its run, like, The Office had, like, webisode adventures and whatnot, and, like, you know, uh, Walking Dead had a couple, like a one, at least one web series that was like you know other characters in other parts of the world dealing with the zombie outbreak. Like this isn't technically all that new, but I think the level of commitment and the level of spotlighting it, and the fact that it's airing on it's 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 as if The Office had aired those webisodes like in between seasons of The Office on NBC as opposed to like on NBC.com, which honestly is a very good idea for broadcast people to try to steal. I don't know how practical it needs to be and i also don't believe that those web webisodes had enough of a hook to make people feel that they were necessary but anything that broadcast can do, can do to shorten the time period between when one season ends and the next one begins they absolutely need to right because they're already losing ratings by the droves anyway mm-hmm. tangent tangent um we need some sort of like tangent bell probably we do. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think... You'll just ring it, like, throughout whenever I start talking, because every time I talk, it's almost a tangent. You'll be like, bad. You said 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, we're trying to keep it short this time. We really are. Um, and to, in, in, that, in that vein, uh, Benjamin, why don't you talk us through the third example we came up with? All right, so the, the interesting thing about the first two is that um, CBS All Access is a relatively new streaming service mm-hmm. um it's been around two years uh yeah uh, yeah yeah we'll go with ish uh um, more like a year and a half oh no it's been around for two years but i think like at least but uh i don't believe the good fight launched until like a year and a half a year and a half ago i could be wrong about that this this could be why our episodes go long because yes. it, it's it's ish like it's fine yeah it's, we i have no idea how long hulu has been around but we definitely know that Hulu has less subscribers than Netflix. So yeah. it's also still fighting for a place in the homes of everybody. Like, they, they need their spot. They want to hold on to it. Netflix has theirs. Netflix is ingrained in our culture. Right. Most people kind of just take it for granted that you have, Netflix. That you have a Netflix account. Right. Or you have access to a Netflix account. There is a great scene in uh, the second season of Big Mouth in which uh, a kid goes over to another kid's house and says... <laughs> well we could just do this homework or we could watch it on netflix and uh the other kid goes i don't have netflix and they go what how can you not have netflix it's so easily accessible and they go into an ad pitch for it and then it ends with them saying um you can do that and it only costs you 99 a month or i can give you my login and then scene deleted uh, (laughs) um anyway the point being it is it has literally become an accepted standard and a joke uh that that everybody's got it so Netflix um, still wants to feel essential. It does not want to ever lose the foothold to other companies or just in general that it's an expendable property that you could cancel for a month or two or whatever uh, to try out something else. It does not want that attitude ever to be risked or put out there in the universe. So one of the things they have been adamantly pushing, aside from just droves of very questionable quality content, are weekly talk shows. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are monthly, like the David Letterman Show, which I don't remember the actual name of right now. Uh, my next guest needs no introduction. Very good, Liz. Um, so some of that's that's kind of monthly-ish. Um, but they've been they tried Chelsea. That was one of their first big, if not the first. I think first. it was. I think it was the, like their first real weekly experiment. Right. Maybe I'm I, I'm I'm actually I'm definitely wrong about that. But it's definitely one of the early ones. <laughs> it, it's also their most prominent. It was right. definitely their biggest like. 
we're going to really go after this audience. I went to a live taping. They spent some money on that studio. They Yes, they spent some money overall. Um, so they had that. They had the break with Michelle Wolf. They had um, the Joe McHale show with Michelle Joe McHale. Um, they've had the Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald has a show which just came out and got s- just ravaged by critics, which leads us to the next point. All of these have failed. In one way or another, they've either been canceled or been critically I destroyed. Like, I feel like the, the, the word failure is a tough one there because it, without quantifiable data, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mean word to slap around. I feel like they, they've certainly not been continued. They've, Netflix has chosen, chosen to pl- pull the plug, so I don't know. If you want to take a hard line, like if you don't get in the second season, then you have failed, young man. Like, I sure. think if you are canceled well before you've hit even uh, four months on TV for a show that's supposed to be weekly and ongoing, and they don't even give you an option to stop and rework or pause and we'll start a second season later... It's a failure. You did well, not set they, out what they, you were trying to do. They, they don't get ordered for like weeks. They, they, like Hassan Minaj has is is the next one up, and his show he got like an, an unprecedented forty week old or at uh, order. Like these other shows that didn't get picked. Well, uh, Joe McHale and The Break were not were not so much canceled as they just had didn't have more episodes ordered. I feel like this it is semantic. It, yeah, it does yeah. not matter because the the point is those shows were not meant to be done when they were done. Right. They were canceled, which again is something that Netflix doesn't like to do. They don't like to admit that their shows are canceled unless right. they have some sort of reason to do so. Um and they have for all of these other than Norm Macdonald, which I feel like it's just a matter of time, but who knows, maybe it's the hit, we'll find out. Um, and again, yeah, Hassan Minhaj has his program, um, shoot, what's it called? Uh, Patriot Act. Patriot Act, uh, which is coming out at the end of October. And uh, the point of all this is they're, they're very diligently trying to make this work, and they're trying to make this format work on a streaming service, which um, admittedly Hulu is doing the same thing and seems to be having at least some success. We at least can't call them a failure for uh, promoting the Sarah Silverman show, um, which has done... It's gotten pretty good reviews. It's gotten some traction. It has been continued up until we're speaking right now. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that's a successful model. It's interesting that that's on Hulu, which already does a lot of weekly programming, whereas Netflix, people are used to seeing things in blocks. But point being, Netflix is adamant about trying to make these things work. And they could just be bumping up against the idea that if people don't have a set time, they may not tune in. They may be bumping up with the idea that they're very used to just watching the late night shows they already watch. Um, they could just be, you know, hitting the wrong buttons in terms of how they promote it or when it comes out or just backing it in the right way or um, it could be a releasing issue. But it's interesting to me to look at how emphatic they are about trying to make one of these be somewhat of a staple. Um, you could argue that even comedians in cars getting coffee is like them buying a, something that was already working yep. and dropping it in and saying, well, we've got one now, uh, even though that's still... Was that released? That's not released weekly, was it? I don't believe so. I think they do in chunks. Yeah, I think that came out in chunks too. Um, or at least blocks. Like It's not yeah. like a full season, but they do like you know six at a time. Yeah, which is another thing they've definitely experimented with recently. The half season. Yeah, having things or, or releasing things in parts. Yep. Season two, part one, whatever. But... Um, but yeah, I just I think it's I think it's definitely a strategy in place to try to maintain their current subscribers. Um, I think ideally it would attract more subscribers. Um, that very well could be its primary purpose, considering 
um, you know, they don't have one that's already doing that. So mm -hmm. like tapping into that audience and saying we can do this too is an important part of that. Um, them having one uh, to compete from an awards show standpoint is probably important to them as well to continue to expand their dominance at the Emmys and try to, you know, steal the win trophy away from HBO. Still haven't done it. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't, I think the important point that maybe you're bumping against when I used the word failure before is that I don't think Michelle Wolf's show was bad. I think it was a very good show. I think Joel McHale's show was actually pretty good. I, I didn't, it's not for me. I, that, that is not something that I want to, that I am engrossed in, but for what it was, it was, it was good. Um, I, I saw a couple of Chelsea and she was fine too. Um, I don't watch a lot of late night TV in general. So again, they're not bad shows by any means. And I want nothing but successful for all of those people because they're very, they're strong, excited, creative voices out there um, that deserve their opportunity to, to do whatever they want to do. Uh, but in terms of the, the platform it hasn't the experiment hasn't worked yet and they're trying to figure it out and i hope hassan has the key mm -hmm. he's certainly on a roll yeah good good luck hassan um yeah i mean i think if you can think of other like weirdo kind of things that we're missing here any any sort of strategy that's any sort of strategy that's actually kept you effectively subscribing to something beyond just simply hey make good shows like, let us know. Uh, ben at IndieWire.com, Liz at IndieWire.com. Uh, at least one of us will read it. Um, and also, uh, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was Big Mouth. Um, Big Mouth Season 2, a Netflix show. Um, it's just terrific. It's, um... I think Season 2 leans even harder into the idea that it's made for the children it's about. So mm -hmm. like for those, that group, that age, that anybody going through that, that's who it's made for. Um, and kind of the barriers they want to pull down, um, the advocacy that they're pushing, uh, what they're trying to normalize, uh, all of this kind of builds up the, the significance of the show. And then at the same time, the voice work is is impeccable. Maya Rudolph continues to just be astounding. Um, the animation is inventive. The music is wonderful. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun to watch just on its own. And it's impossibly crude and gross. And uh, <laughs> there's some stuff that will just leave your mouth agape. But because it's all so well-intentioned and, and honed and put toward you know the right cause and the right ideas, um, it's beautiful. So mm, that's uh, lovely. I love Big Mouth. Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Oh, American to me. Don't forget. Yeah. Uh, Better Call Saul. Always the best show on television. Um, best drama on television. American to me gets to be the best drama, uh, documentary. Um, and uh, yeah, beyond that. Uh, so I'm doing a bit of a weird, very limited deep dive into a recent actor who has become an Academy Award contender of late. And so in re research for an article I'm working on uh, for publication, hopefully, hopefully as you read this, it's online. I'm maybe a little overextended right now, but deadline-wise, but hopefully I'm going to get this done very soon. Um, I watched uh, Lady Gaga's SNL uh, hosting episode, uh, the episode in which she hosted and uh, performed as a musical guest. She's not, the episode itself, like SNL episodes are 90 minutes 
without commercials, probably 70 or so. Um, Hulu cuts out a lot, depending on music rights and so forth. Uh, in Lady Gaga's case, it's 40, that episode is 41 minutes long as archived on Hulu. Uh, so Lady Gaga's not in it a lot. <clears throat> However, um, the sketches she was in, she's really fun and engaging. This is back in 2013. And I'm like, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure we'd, you know, you'd seen her perform, you'd seen her do a lot of stuff, but she actually very actively is working against type in a lot of the sketches and wearing crazy costumes and so forth. And seems really game and really hits her punchlines. And uh, so, yeah, future, future, the, the SNL work of future Academy Award nominee uh, Lady Gaga is my answer. Interesting choice. Yes. She's good. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is another Netflix show. Um, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll be okay with me now. Uh, ranting against their weird strategies or using the term failure when I shouldn't. But uh, I'm looking forward to The Haunting of Hill House. Mm. Um, I'm, I think I'm looking forward to the, I'm definitely looking forward to the chilling adventures of Sabrina more for more reasons. <clears throat> but I more will cats? say... There's more cat. Well, supposedly there's more cats. I don't. I don't know much about the haunting of Hill House other than it stars Carla Giugino. Andy Weir, favorite. Lover. Um, and it's a it's a horror show. Like it's supposed to be like a legitimately scary ten episode series set in a haunted house. Um, and that's an exciting endeavor. Um, mm-hmm. you might hear us talk more about. Scary shows on next week's podcast, but who knows? We don't plan ahead. We never. Yeah, do. we can't possibly be uh, recording this after we recorded that episode. That would be insane. Professional. Yeah, um, it's, also, it's also why last next week's episode's uh, best next picks uh, might sound weird or like a little off uh, off cycle. No, we planned ahead. We uh, definitely planned we, that. We well. would plan ahead if we were to do that. Yeah, but definitely. Anyway, that's my pick for next thing. Liz, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh. Better Call Saul finale. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Um, I definitely actually haven't watched it yet. It's been sitting in my inbox all week, reminding me. <laughs> along with along with uh, ten episodes of Man in the High Castle. Reminding uh, me. It's just like I'm just very. I'm, I'm here. I'm very worried. There's a lot of good reasons to be worried too. Yeah, they've been there since you started the show. <laughs> I'm. I just want I just want Jimmy and Kim to be happy. Yeah, give that up. <laughs> yeah, Ben is very used to me hearing me whimper on a week, weekly basis. I just want Jim and Kimmy to be happy. I mean, you heard me do it with Kevin and Nora for so long, and you know, similarly, yeah. there were no promises. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we're think, it worked out for you. Why can't it work out for me? Yeah, lots of reasons. I know. Um, but you'll be able to read all about that and more. It, the Better Call Saul, as you listen to this, if you listen to, to, to this on Monday, Better Call Saul finale airs tonight. Uh, check it out. Um, read all about it in, at IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And um, I'm sure that, that Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson will take a break from Oscar season to talk about Better Call Saul, so make sure to listen to uh, yeah. the one that started it all, Screen Talk Podcast. Uh, I, I guarantee that Michael Schneider has Bob Odenkirk coming on this week to talk about his favorite episode of television, um, which, surprisingly enough, is another Friends episode, but not the same <laughs> Friends episode that Darcy Garden picked. It's the episode, uh, the correct one. It's the one with the embryos in which they have the, the competition and Phoebe you know, goes to get pregnant. And that, that's the best episode of Friends. I'm going to you a Friends jar. Um, and Bob Odenkirk rightly cites that on the Turn It On podcast as his favorite episode. So make sure you listen to that as well. 
Um, and then I'm pretty sure that Chris O'Fault um, got an exclusive sit down with Vince Gilligan and Peter he Gould. He better not fucking have. Pretty sure he did, and that's going to be airing well, uh, on his, kill, on his next week's episode. You cannot kill Chris O'Fault. But he took Chris the o- thing that I own one and most in the world. He must have had the right reasons for it, Liz. He's a perfect human being, and he would never do anything wrong to hurt us, to hurt anyone. He only brings good into the world. Um, so make sure you listen to Chris O'Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit podcast, even if he doesn't talk to Vince and, and Peter. It'll still be great. Listen to Ben spread more lies at Ben T. Travers. That's accurate. But if you want the truth, uh, head over to Liz's Twitter account, which is Lizlet, and that's uh, an I and then an E. You did it. <laughs> you, 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 you almost froze on that, and that was weird. Um, <laughs> but we'll be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and as always, keep watching television. <laughs> Thank you.